You're listening to Rights and Brands podcast. Today I have the great honor to have with me Sofia Janssen. Uh, she's the creative director of Mooming Characters, the company taking care of Tuve Janssen's legacy. And she's also Tuve's niece. And we're here to talk about Tuve Janssen's beloved novel, The Summer Book, which was written in 1972. A book that's still very much being read all around the world. Thank you, Sofia, for accepting my invitation to come and talk to us today. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you here. For those of our listeners who are maybe less familiar with Tuve Janssen's works, I'm going to give just a short recap. So Tuve Janssen was a Finnish-Swedish writer and artist who achieved worldwide fame as the creator of The Moomins, a series of children's books written and illustrated by Tuve between 1945 and 1970. And these Moomin books have been translated into more than 55 languages today, and they are still in print all over the world. But The Moomins were actually only a part of Tuve's literary works. Um, she went on writing a series of classic novels and short stories from the 17th onwards. And these books, her adult fiction, have been translated into more than 30 languages. We can say that she is one of Scandinavia's most beloved authors today. Out of her adult fiction works, the summer book, our subject today, seems to be an absolute favorite all over, although Tuve wrote all together 10 novels and short story collections. But it's the summer book that keeps on being endorsed by authors, journalists, readers, or all book lovers in, in different corners of the world. I've met people, several people, who actually say that this is the book they read every summer. It's also constantly reaching new readers and it, it is being brought to new languages. For example, there's a very recent first Vietnamese edition and uh, there will be a Thai translation out soon. We'll talk a little later about the qualities of this book. What are the qualities that might explain some of its wide appeal? But what are your thoughts, Sophia? in general, on the summer book, having become an internationally acknowledged modern classic novel? Um, I think it's absolutely wonderful that uh, the summer book is still read everywhere, and it is, uh, in a way, a very timeless story. Um, and I think part of it being um, internationally still current Uh, really, of course, has to do with the fact that um, about 20 years ago or so, sort of books uh, in the UK uh, decided to republish it uh, with a new cover and and some some photographs of Dove, and it became a bestseller. And after that, it was picked up by very many publishers again. So a big thank you, of course, to them. But the book itself... Uh, is definitely worth reading. It's one of my absolutely favorite works of Dorves, all books. And actually, the story itself—it's—it's it's really simple. Um, the book tells about an elderly artist and her six-year-old granddaughter Sophia, who spend the summer together on a tiny island in the Gulf of Finland. 
I won't be maybe meddling too much with fiction and fact in this podcast today, but um, just judging by the name, I do need to ask for our listeners. Uh, this little girl, Sophia, has been inspired by you, right? Oh, I'd like to think so. <laughs> it would be wonderful to be the Sophia in the book. Um, I think, uh, however, that, uh, of course, uh, all credit uh, goes to, to Torva and her talent as an author. I mean, just like any author, she uses inspiration from real life, but, but takes uh, liberty in creating uh, a story of her own. So... Yes, my name is Sophia and I did have a grandmother, but uh, the the genius of the summer book is really uh, uh, Tuve's merit, not not the fact that I am Sophia and Sophia in the book is a little girl. Yeah, that's the, the talent of the great artists, that they take something real from the real world and then make it art, make it fiction. Um, I have heard you say somewhere that essentially the summer book, and now I quote, is about the relationship between someone very old and someone very young, the mutual disregard but very great respect and friendship. And to me, that sentence describes the story pretty perfectly and the thematics. We read about the wisdom of the little girl, the six-year-old, And then the great wisdom of the grandmother who actually leaves a lot unsaid and for the girl to discover herself. There is also very much uh, this kind of feeling true to life friction between them. Um, And maybe that is something that's essentially built in a relationship between two people who are from completely different generations. Do you think so? Um. I, I really don't have perhaps uh, enough knowledge to to make any assumptions of of uh, relationships in general between uh, an old generation and a young generation. But uh, certainly, I think uh, there are elements uh, when when uh, you talk about children and their relationship to their grandparents and vice versa. That that are sort of recurrent, and I think uh, I think part of it is that um, a grandparent is quite at ease with a, with a grandchild often because the responsibility of of the day to day caring is is with the parents. So you can perhaps take liberty in, in playing a little bit more and perhaps do the things that you think you ought to have done with your own child, you do with a grandchild. And, uh, you know, especially in this book, I would say that for Sophia, um, you know, for those who haven't read the book, I won't uh, reveal exactly what, what the background is, but she needs um, an adult to talk to about uh, serious thoughts in her mind. Uh, her father is quite absent. And and I think for many young children, grandparents can become that go-to place uh, because often parents are, you know, working, busy, uh, tired. Uh, they need to take care of lots of, you know, 
mundane day-to-day -day things. And, but grandparents can be more relaxed. So often that relationship can be very fruitful. And it's certainly in this book, uh, as Tove describes it, um, is a very important relationship between uh, grandmother and, and little Sophia. It fills a lot of voids and answers a lot of questions for both of them, in fact. Maybe also for the grandchild, it might be easier to talk to the grandparents sometimes and then vice versa. Um, I remember when my mother first became a grandmother, she told me that she wants to be the kind of grandmother that uh, is in, in the summer book because she wants to be able to play and use uh, sort of the creativity of imagination but then also kind of draw the line, which the grandmother also does. She's, she can say to the grandchild that now I need my space, go and do your own things. So in the, in the summer book we get to read about the idle summer days that actually seem never-ending. Uh, the grandmother and the little girl wander the island, which is quite tiny. They have philosophical conversations. They talk about, for example, death. But then they also talk about other matters that seem equally important, like how best to dive into water. They have adventures, and they tend to argue quite a bit. Um, they also build things. For example, they build a new Venice in a marsh pool. So there's a really a great deal that manifests the power of imagination and playing together. And they really couldn't care less about conventions, nor the girl, nor the grand grandmother. For example, they, de they decide to break into the new summer house on a neighboring island because they are upset about the fact that the businessman who has built it doesn't leave his door open, which is the custom in the archipelago at the time. And something that really strikes me is that time is never an issue here. There is nothing more important than to observe an individual straw of grass or a piece of bark. And now I quote from Tuve's text. It was just the same long summer, always, and everything lived and grew at its own pace. All this seems like from an idol or a, a world past. What is your favorite scene in the book? Well, I, I, I have several, several of the stories that I, that I like uh, quite, quite a bit. But uh, I was trying to think ahead of this, this, uh, this discussion with you about what is, uh, which scene sort of stays with me. And, and it's, um, it's a conversation that grandmother and, and Sophia have about angels and heaven and hell. And, um, and it's, uh, it's, it's funny in a way uh, because uh, those conversations can be quite, uh, usually quite sort of serious. But, uh, and it's, it's serious here as well, but, but there's this element of irreverence that Sophia displays which is, which is uh, very appealing. I mean, she catches grandmother out because grandmother has said earlier that there is no hell. But then Sophia asks her, um, and I shall actually quote from the book here. Uh, Sophia says, 
can angels fly down to hell? And uh, the grandmother answers, uh, of course, they might have all sorts of friends and neighbors down there. And then Sophia, of course, says, now I've got you. Yesterday you said there was no hell. <laughs> and and uh, I, I sort of like this, this uh, partly because obviously these are, these are quite uh, uh, serious and important themes in, in general and super existential in, in, in many ways. But, but, but also, I think, because it displays that there is no hierarchy between grandmother and Sophia. They're on the same level. They treat each other just as equals. You know, there's no sense of grandmother being older and wiser or, or, or you know, Sophia being uh, the little person with no knowledge. I mean, they, they really have this very um, sort of uh, equal attitude or, or, or attitude of equality towards each other. They, 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 they sort of completely are devoid of, of the notion that one is old and, and one is young. They, they are just two individuals having serious discussions, uh, which is very typical for Tove. Uh, I think uh, she was, in her own life, uh, sort of a master at completely stripping people of, of the outer shell and sort of looking into somebody's soul through their eyes, no matter what age or creed or, you know, race or whatever. I mean, and it's it, it sort of in this book, you can see it too, because she just meets the person on their level. And that's a really, really wonderful quality. Yeah, it's a way of, of observing something that is actually quite simple, but very hard to see usually. Um, like in the scene that you just quoted, there is this wonderfully sharp humor throughout the book. And one of my favorite scenes is, is actually right in the beginning when the grandmother is looking for her dentures in the flower bed of peonies where she thinks she's lost them and uh, she asks Sophia to help her and Sophia is enjoying this task because now she has a permission to crawl into the flower bed, something that's usually forbidden. Um, there's also a lot, and, and we kind of referred to this already, there's a lot that stays unsaid uh, in between the lines. Um, for example, the girl's father is, is there on the island too, but he's hardly mentioned. And then the girl's deceased mother is mentioned even less. Somehow they still have a strong presence in the book, don't you think? I think uh, just like you said, what is not, not written out, what you have to sort of fill in between the lines is, is one of the things that... Uh, Tuve does so very well, um, and and in this particular book, obviously the backdrop uh, for the whole relationship between grandmother and Sophia is is the fact that um, they're almost alone on this island, and we need to know why. Well, because Sophia's mother is is dead, which is mentioned once 
only and only in passing uh, in the beginning of the book. And then, of course, her father, who is mentioned more uh, on several occasions, but he doesn't actually enter into the stories in any sort of verbal form. They don't have conversations or anything. So he's part of the background. But I think Tove quite carefully sets this. Uh, I mean, she has several layers of backgrounds. I mean, you have to remember that she was a painter originally. And so the way she constructs stories in, is in different planes. She has the foreground, the middle ground, and the background. And and I would say that um, the, the, you know, the absent father and, and the deceased mother are definitely the background against which, you know, what, what happens, what everything, uh, everything that happens is played out. And then in the foreground, you have the island, mm-hmm. who is that, who, I, 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 I talk about the island as a person, but it, it almost becomes, uh, you know, a main character in, in the book too, because everything that, that happens, happens on the island. Um, and I think there is, I mean, it's worth mentioning uh, that, you know, nothing is really haphazardly there. Torva has always, in everything that she's done, been incredibly careful about her composition and how she sets things up. Um, that's why to the reader, it, everything is seemingly easy and, and, you know, just flows but but of course she has she has taken great effort in in making sure that uh, what is there and what is said leaves the reader with the freedom to imagine the rest. When you talk about the composition and the sort of the foreground and the middle ground and the background, I kind of imagine that the foreground is the text is, itself, and then the middle ground is perhaps something that's that you can read in between the lines and then the background is kind of the whole world where all this this happens. Um, the author Esther Freund has written a really beautiful introduction to the English language edition of the summer book by Sort of Books, which you mentioned as, as being one of the reasons behind uh, the, the, the su- success that is still ongoing. Um, and I would say that this is a novel that's something that we could call a favorite of, of other authors. I mean that it's it's very often listed as one of the recommended books by well-known authors today. And the summer book has come up on many what to read during corona isolation lists this spring. For example, in the in the Guardian in the UK and in the New York Times. Um, what, in your opinion, are the qualities or the reasons that this book speaks to people around the world and what makes it resonate during these exceptional times that we kind of share, a problem that we share across the world? Um, I think I mentioned already earlier that, that of course, this, like so many other of Tuve's stories, is... Uh, is very timeless uh, because it's a relationship between two human beings uh, that's really centered on 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 quite sort of uh, the the core themes of our existence. The, it it can be read at any time, but 
But I would say that perhaps uh, during these corona crisis times, uh, people have had a need to focus again on sort of rather than, you know, the macro scene, the, the much more uh, local or closer to home issues and, and relationships and perhaps uh, rediscover that what is really important in life uh, is really right here uh, within them or very close at hand, that uh, happiness doesn't necessarily have to mean that you need to go to the other end of the world to find it. Um, and, and I think reading has uh, overall become much more pleasurable during uh, this, this period, this spring, uh, because people have had to stay at home and busy themselves with things. And for me, this is a fantastic development that people have rediscovered the joy of stories and how much they can actually give you uh, and how each book can sort of just be a wonderful way to discover new dimensions in yourself or in life or, or that, that really all you need is to take that book and go and sit in a comfortable chair. You don't need to you know, travel the world in 80 days. Or <laughs> but, um, but I think, um, I think of course, also because people have been worried and frightened. They need to think about the things that they love the most uh, in their lives. And when it comes to books, uh, people often have favorite books. And they can also be... Um, a way of consoling uh, someone or yourself. So very often people return to favorite um, works of fiction and reread them when they're going through troubled times. And I think uh, the summer book is excellent for that. And maybe, like I said before, it's it's like an idol or, or a world past but then when you read it during these times you kind of start thinking it doesn't need to be the world past it can be sort of refound um, when you concentrate on what you have right now and, and maybe smaller things that are very important There is an English-language film adaptation of The Summer Book underway. Um, the film will be directed by Mark Munden and is produced by Kevin Loader's Free Range Films. So it's a UK-based project, but it will be shot in Finland, in the archipelago. Um, are there any more details you could share to our listeners about this film project at this stage? I would love to have lots to tell you, but unfortunately, one of the the sort of less uh, positive things about the crisis uh, is that um, is is that the film industry has really come to a standstill. So, the filming was meant to happen this summer, but uh, for obvious reasons, it has been postponed and. Uh, 
hopefully it will then happen next summer, uh, which means that uh, obviously any premiere would be pushed forward uh, yet again. Um, and uh, as everything is always uncertain <laughs> in the film industry, um, we are we are going ahead, uh, hopefully as planned. But I I will be wiser later on this year when I hear what the production company can do about the sort of uh, the necessity to reschedule everything for next year because obviously actors and so on have commitments and it's not that easy to change big uh, productions like this one around. Um, I'm still confident it will go ahead uh, and it would be wonderful to see a film about the summer books so uh, let's keep our fingers crossed. Definitely we will. Um, there's another film called Tuve, um, actually the first feature drama on Tuve Janssen's life, and that will premiere already this year in October in Finland. Uh, this film is made in Swedish, Tuve's, in Tuve's native language, and shot in Helsinki, directed by a Finnish uh, director, Zaida Barry-Ruth. Can you tell us more about the scope of this film? Yes, um, it's uh, it's what is called a biopic, <laughs> uh, and uh, but it's about Tuve's early life. It's actually about only a few years, um, right after the war, up until she then meets uh, her partner Tuleki Pietila, uh, who becomes her partner for the rest of her life. Um, it's an interesting time. Uh, because obviously the world was turned completely topsy-turvy um, during the war and, and everybody had to basically start anew. And it means a lot of things for Tuve as well in her career. Up until the war, I think she was quite convinced that the rest of her life she would uh, be a fine art painter. But of course we all know uh what happened next uh, during the war she then wrote this little fairy tale uh <laughs> and which was published in 1945 the the small trolls and the and the great flood uh which was the first moomin story uh but not only that we see tuve in a way that most of her fans have never seen her Uh, she's a young woman, you know, quite uh, hungry for life, uh, both uh, professionally, but certainly uh, also on a personal level. She's discovering things about herself, her sexuality, her need to uh, express herself in many different uh, forms of art and so on and I won't tell you everything but but uh I've seen the rough cut of the film and and I was as a you know member of the of the family of course uh slightly worried uh about what I was going about to see uh but I was swept away so um it's a drama but I think you'll like it <laughs> Did you recognize Tuve from it? Oh, certainly. I mean, I obviously didn't know Tuve uh, in those years, so that the Tuve that I knew uh, was uh, 
a different, not, not an entirely different one, but of a different period in her life. Uh, and I think uh, the young woman, uh, with all the things that young women think about, was uh, uh, really enjoyable to watch. Uh, and uh, I think the main actress, Alma Posty, does a wonderful job. I can't wait to see that one. Um, I would like to take this opportunity also to talk about uh, a little bit about Tuva's other no adult novels and short story collections. Um, some of these short story collections are thematically driven, like Travelling Light and Letters to Clara. But altogether, it's, it's quite a diverse work, I'd say. Um, there's around uh, a dozen uh, novels and short story collections altogether. But there's always this very distinctive Tuva-like voice in the prose. It's, it's vivid and precise, observant, slightly humorous, definitely recogni recognizable from the summer book as well. Um, which one is your favorite out of the other stories for adults? Um. I, I, I like the short story collections, Travelling Light. Um, I mean, I know that uh, they're fictional characters, but they, in, in many ways, remind me of Tuve and Tuti, the two ladies. And um, I sort of remember things uh, when I read that book. But another of my favourite is also The True Deceiver, which is... is is a novel, not a short story collection. Um, and, uh, and again, I think uh, it's, it's a story that leaves you sort of wondering about human relationships and how they actually work and the dependencies people have on each other and, and sort of, how shall I say, uh, and, 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 you know, involuntary element of manipulation that goes on because people need to somehow satisfy their own needs, uh, but really with no malicious intent. It's just, I think the dynamics of the, the main characters in that book are, are quite, uh, quite interesting. I, I, I can sincerely recommend it. It's also my favorite out of out of the other works. I rediscovered it a couple of years ago, and I was completely blown away. It's um, it's a story about a young woman, Katri, who uninvited moves into a large house with an elderly children's book illustrator, Anna, and it kind of subtly subtly turns into this super clever suspenseful novel it's it's almost like a psychological thriller and when you finish the story you don't really know who fooled who and what really happened so that's a strong recommendation for for our listeners I do have the impression that um, Tuva's legacy is, is living stronger and stronger from year to year and not just in Finland, but in, in different corners of the world. Um, you already mentioned uh, the work Sort of Books has done in the UK, where she's nowadays very well known, uh, not just for the movements, but also her fiction and then her art that has been recently exhibited. 
And here in Finland, um, this year is the first time Tuve Janssen will be honoured with a national flag day. Uh, it's a yearly com commemoration. <coughs> Sorry. It's a yearly commemoration that uh, will happen on Tuve's birthday, the 9th of August, and that's also the date we will be releasing this podcast. How would you, Sophia, comment on this impression of revival and the reasons behind it? Well, I think, um, you know, uh, this tends to happen to, to, to artists and authors who have in their work actually produced uh, stories or texts that encompass the most important things we 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 have in our lives which would be perhaps um, those values that we all hold dear um, and and because they are by definition uh, universal and timeless um, uh, it's easy to pick up such authors works again and again but 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 i think it's worth saying that that no author's works survive without the help of publishers or the people who keep them alive uh, certainly today uh, the lifespan of any author's book is tends to be very short and in order to keep books alive you need to work quite hard at it uh, to like that the, the incredibly important work uh, both agents and and uh, publishers do to actually open up to the great public and to the booksellers why a particular work is still readable and relevant um so I think in Tove's case, uh, it, it needs to be said that, uh, you know, there's a whole industry around her, her creations that, that actually feels very passionately about keeping her and her, her legacy alive uh, and, and among us. Because I think we've noticed over the years that it really gives so much to a great number of people. Um, it's, uh, it's happened over and over again that we get feedback from you know, all corners of the world that either a book of Torves or uh, you know, an illustration or something that she's done has touched uh, an individual or a larger, you know, group of people at the core of who they perceive they want to be or who they are. And I don't think any author could want for anything less. So I sort of uh, see it as a mission to keep her books alive. Um, you know, um, we, 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 really, we really want to do it and do it with a passion. We're almost at the end of our podcast. Um, I would like to pose a couple more personal questions. Um, firstly, would you be f willing to share with us your first memory of Tuva and the island life in, in your childhood? 
This is always a difficult one. Your first memory, I, I, I can't sort in my early memories <laughs> and, and sort of chronologically list them. I have no, no recollection of, of which one would be the first. But, but certainly it's true, and I've said it many times, that my fondest memories of Dorbe are from our summers in the, in the Finnish archipelago, uh, it's widely known that she lived on an island, but the whole family, in fact, lived on, on islands in, in the archipelago. And in those days, because uh, everybody in the family was an artist, you know, they didn't have to go to work. Summers were long. You were out there for months on end. And just like she describes in the summer book, it, it seems that, you know, time never ends. And so... I suppose, you know, all the picnics, all the uh, adventures, going out in the boat, discovering new islands, um, birthday parties, all of those are sort of mm, muddled together in, in my, my drawer of memories uh, as these, this wonderful time spent together. Um, again, I would stress that I, I suppose the thing that make, made them so wonderful was the fact that Tuve never treated me as a, you know, cumbersome child. Uh, you know, she always met you on your level. So, I mean, I have wonderful memories of her being uh, or as childish, childish as I was and and vice versa perhaps me being as adult as she was but you know kind of swimming around islands or or you know flying kites or looking for beautiful stones or you know just being together in a way where you never think about time space or you you just are and I wish for every, you know, human being, child, woman, man, whatever, um, to have the opportunity to to just be in a in a place like like you, like we were in those summer months. You have actually uh, become a grandmother yourself very recently. Congratulations! Thank you. It's wonderful. <laughs> Um, when and how do you plan to introduce the wonders of, of island life and the archipelago to your grandchild? Well, I suppose this is this is my you know ambition, and and in a way, it's a dream come true that my first grandchild is actually a girl because. Uh, you know, one day I'll be the grandmother uh, with the cane uh, running around on, on the rocks and hopefully she'll be this irreverent little girl posing all manner of, of, of difficult questions. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I'm very thankful that Tuva wrote this book because it's, uh, for all the reasons mentioned already, but it's sort of my handbook for... <laughs> How <laughs> to be a grandmother with 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 my with my uh, granddaughter? Um, yeah, I can't wait. She's very small still, so uh, I'll have to wait a little while until I can tear her away from her mother and <laughs> and take her out to the archipelago. But uh, I'm I'm determined to do that. 
Well, thank you, Sophia, for, for talking us today. Uh, we're recording this just before midsummer, which is a big celebration here in Finland, and I believe you're off very soon to the archipelago to, to, to celebrate it. So I hope you will have more fun memories and relaxing idle summer days on your island this year again, and then also in the future with your granddaughter. Thank you. It's been a very nice conversation. And thank you to all our listeners for listening.